Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, church, I got to fill you in on something. I have to be honest with you. Some of you guys know this about me if you know me really well. Some of you who don't know me well, I need to confess this to you and let you know this, that I'm a very, very competitive person. Yeah, yes, very competitive. And it doesn't matter what it is. It can be a board game. It can be a sports league that I belong to. It can be even a video game. And what I find out, though, not only just being competitive, what I like about it, but I like to win. How many of you guys like to win in here? There's nobody who's going to raise their hand and say, oh, I like to lose. No, everybody likes to win. Everybody wants to win. I love winning. It's something I love to do. It's, I love being competitive and getting that win. But over the years, I've tried really hard to control that. Because sometimes when it comes out, it's not, it's not pretty. So I try to control it like, okay, I got to get this under control a little bit. And I've worked hard at it. But sometimes it comes out. And sometimes I find myself competing against people, and they don't even know that I'm competing against them. Recently, I was drove into a department store, parked in the parking lot. I parked my vehicle here. They kind of parked a little kitty corner for me. There was another guy. He got out of his vehicle. I got out about the same time, and he gave me the little, what's up, little head, what's up. And, I, you know, and then he started walking a little fast. So to me, my mind took it this that wasn't, hey, hello. That was, hey, do you want to race me? And so I kicked it in gear, church. Like, I literally was like moving. My arms were moving. I put my head down, praying, like, please don't let me see anybody from church because they're going to stop me. They're going to want to talk to me. I'm in a race right now. I need to win this race. And then here's the thing. I caught up with that guy. I beat him at the last second. When I crossed the door, I turned around and looked at him and said, what's up? That was my thing to say to him, hey, I just beat you. you know, and that's the, and when I walked in that store, I was smiling. I was so happy because I won. You know, my brain seems to have these thoughts, and I turn everything into a competition. This summer, you know, my family and I, we went on vacation. We went to Anna Marie Island down in Florida. Uh, we drove down there. So at the end of the trip, you know, you're loading everything back up, and you're ready to head home. I get in the vehicle, punch in the GPS, you know, the home address, you know. Then you get that estimated time of arrival that pops up. And I saw that. I'm like, ugh. But then I saw, like, hey, I can beat that time. (laughs) You know, but I got to let you know, our goal was that we were going to stop halfway. You know, so I'm like, oh, we're going to stop halfway. I'm not really going to beat that time. But as we started to drive, I saw something that I can start to beat this time. And so what I did is I set the cruise control to the max, just right at that point where, hey, I can get a speeding ticket or I cannot. I mean, it was 9.9 over the speed limit, you know. And then I started to do this. I started to take the curves. I started to catch the the corners at the right angle, the right speed, so I would not lose any speed going around them. I started to picture myself as a NASCAR driver, that I got to catch the drift from this vehicle. And it was working. I was winning. The time started to go down. And I'm like, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to beat this clock. I'm so happy. But 
Let me remind you, I'm traveling with my family. There's potty breaks that need to take place. You know, we have our dog with us. There's potty breaks. And so, again, I'm watching that time change. And I was like, man, I would so love to beat this time. So I, I went to my wife, Marn, and the kids, and I said, hey, guys, wasn't vacation just a great week? We did so many things. When we get back home, man, you know, our youngest daughter, we're going to be moving you into college. You know, we just got so much. We're going to be hitting the pavement running. You know, won't you guys go ahead and just take a nap? Rest up, because we're going to be there. Because I knew why they were sleeping. I could pick up more time. But we eventually had to stop. And when we'd stop, you know, they would go to the restroom. I'd get the dog out, and I'm walking the dog fast, saying, Harley, please, hurry up, go to the bathroom. Let's go. Let's get back in the truck. Let's go. We got to get going. And, you know, my wife, Marn, she was so sweet. Every time she'd get back in the vehicle, she's like, hey, dude, would you like me to drive? You know, would you like me to, would you like me to drive? You, you've been doing this for a, a couple hours. And I'm like, nope, I got it, babe. I'm in a groove. Because in my mind, I knew this. If I let her drive, she's not going to be worried about pushing that cruise control. She's going to cut it back. She's not going to be worried about taking the corners the right way. She's not going to picture herself as a NASCAR driver. (laughs) We're going to lose time. And I'm invested at this point. No. And I'm like, no, I got this. I'm in a groove. Just relax. So as we continue to drive, and we were taking this drive home, here's again my mind where it goes wrong. I said, Marn, wouldn't it be great if you can wake up in your go into your own bed tonight. Wake up in your own bedroom tomorrow morning. We can make this drive all the way. We don't need to stop. And she's like, are you serious? Yeah, we can do this. She's like, it's your call if you really want to do it. So we did. We made the drive. 18 hours later, we pull on our driveway, and I beat the GPS. We won. So I'm so happy. But church, I have to tell you this. The problem was for days, I was wiped out from all this driving. And I started to question, why do I think like this? Why do I do these things? What's wrong with me? And so I said, okay, I'm going to do a study on our thoughts. So I went out and I started doing a study on our thoughts. And these are the things I found out. Did you know the average person between, has between 12,000 and 60 thoughts per day? That's a lot of thoughts that cross our mind. Of those thousands of thoughts, 80% of them are negative. 80% of thoughts coming through your mind are negative. Here's the other crazy one. 95% of them repeat are repeated thoughts from the day before. So that negative thought you had the day before, you're thinking it again today. You would take the time and sit down during the daytime and write all the thoughts that pass through your mind. You can write a book. Now, it wouldn't be a bestseller book because the book would be based on baseless worries, fears, regrets. There'd be, there'd be complaints about ourselves, others. There'd be very few positive chapters. So when I think about that, I'm like, wow, there's something wrong. And it started to hit me that so many times we sit on those 80% of those negative thoughts. We let those thoughts continue to cross our mind. And you know what ends up happening? 
we end up losing the day because we're caught up into the negative right here. Today, I titled my message, Win the Day. And I want to focus on taking those negative thoughts and turning them into positive thoughts and winning the day. I believe every day we have been given a gift from God. Every day we have a purpose. And what I want us to focus on is not winning the week, the month, or the year, but winning the day. Our thoughts are powerful. They can harm us or they can do us good. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So guard your heart. The thoughts that we think become the behaviors that we live out. If you're a happy person up here, it flows out that you're a happy person here. If you're an angry person up here, it flows out that you're an angry person. We know who you are because your heart loves it out. The thoughts we have up here, if we're not careful, will feed our hearts. It's like we have this board of directors sitting up here in our mind. They're sitting up here and they're taking in all your thoughts and they're saying, look, here's the negative thought. Here's this negative thought. Here's this negative thought. Oh, here's a positive thought. I'm going to get rid of that. Here's a negative thought. And then they start to feed your heart with it. It's this board that we have up there. Psychology describes some of the common negative thinking patterns that we experience. Here are a few of these common thinking patterns that we have, negative ones. The first one is this, all or nothing thinking. This is seeing things in black and white. No shades of gray. If things aren't perfect, it's a failure. The example of this is like if you're on a diet, you've been working out, you're doing well, and all of a sudden you come home and there's a piece of pie on the counter. I love when I come home and there's a piece of pie on the counter. <laughs> and you eat that pie, and then you sit there and you're like, oh my goodness, I've failed. I can't do anything. I'll never be healthy. Why do I even take the time to work out? Number two is should statements. You have a clear idea about how things should or shouldn't be. When they don't turn out the way, we blame others or others. The example is this. I should have done it my way instead of listening to you. It's your fault it didn't work out. The mental filter. Of all things going on, you, you pick one of the negative details and you focus your attention on that. Example of this is you might have a family member that comes over for Thanksgiving the whole family's together. You're loving life together. But you're one person in your family. All they can do is focus on that the turkey was dry. All they can do. Everything's been positive for the day. Man, that turkey, that was, turkey was so dry. That's when you want to say, bro, it's time for you to go. <laughs> Number four, emotional reasoning. This allows you to believe that whatever you're feeling, feeling, it must be so. The example is this. You're anxious about driving, so you conclude it, that driving isn't safe anymore. Our thoughts set the direction for our lives. You can't have a positive life with a mind full of negative thoughts. It's impossible. You can't go through life thinking you're not good enough or you don't have what it takes. I can't be the man of God. My life is a mess and God will never fully accept me. Listen, if those are the thoughts you keep thinking, 
I wanted you to know this today, that your thoughts are keeping you captive. They're holding you captive right now. Your thoughts have held you captive, and they're holding you back from what God has for you and how God sees you. Your thoughts determine how you're going to live your life. See, the enemy, he's a creeper. He likes to creep into your thoughts. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking to someone to devour. Peter says this. Peter says, Satan wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you. He's like a lion. If you watch any of those animal shows on TV, or if you happen the chance to be on a, go on a safari, and you ever watch a lion hunt, a lion gets down really low. They creep along. And as soon as their prey walks by, they pounce on it. They chase it down. This is precisely what the devil does to believers. The devil is always hidden. He's got a hidden disguise, and he's looking for you. He's trying to hunt you, and when he can, he pounces on you. Secondly, the lion, the devil attacks the weak. If you ever watch lions, they don't go after giraffes and elephants and attack them. They're too big. They go after the weak. They go after the much smaller ones. Instead, lions will stalk the smaller and the weaker animals like the antelopes, the zebras, and the wild hogs. Likewise, the devil hunts the spiritually weak. The devil will tear you apart when you are frail and when you're weak. The enemy is like that little voice in your head. And for some of you, the voice of the enemy has been speaking in your ear for years. He's been speaking for a long time. And he's been speaking lies to you, giving you thoughts that you're not good. God doesn't love you. No one cares about you. You're not a good mother. You're not a good father. You're a loser. You've blown it. All these things are ugly lies. And he keeps speaking these lies into your mind. Then these lies are feeding your heart. He keeps building walls around your life. And he's causing you to live your life based on the lies of the enemy instead of the truth of God's word. Some of you have been building these walls of your lives, lies around you for years. For years. I clearly remember the day that God called me into ministry. I was about 30 years old, went on a mission trip to India, and I was at the altar that night praying for services, and God just speaking to my heart saying, hey, I want you to go into ministry full time. You know, at this time, I have four kids. They're little. I have a good job. You know, how am I going to make this happen? How am I going to do this? But God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to pray about this, and we're going to figure this out. So the fellowship that we belong to, the Similes of God, you know, in our district office here in, uh, down in Columbus, they started a school called the Ohio School of Ministry. And it was, it was designed for people who later in life decided, hey, man, God's calling me into ministry. I can't afford to go off to a Bible college because I have a family and all these things. But we're going to meet once a month. We're gonna, it's a crash course. We're going we're gonna to walk you through and get your credentials. Well, I was able to do that. And I was able to go down through and do that part of it. And in our fellowship, we have three levels of credentials. The first one is certified. The next one is uh, you know, license, and the next one is ordained. 
And then the license and ordain, they allow you to, hey, you can be a missionary, you can lead a church, you can do all these things. Well, right away when I got my certification, I got hired at Calvary here to be the children's pastor. And that first summer, we went off to kids camp. And kids camp is down in Columbus, and it's a crazy week and a fun week. But, uh, you know, that one night, you know, all the leaders, the pastors wanted to get together and so the kids were in bed, and we met outside in this little hallway, and uh, we went around this circle, and you know, and just the guys were talking about, and the ladies were talking about where they got their credentials at, where they went to school at. And everybody's like, yeah, I went to this Bible college. I had this professor. Oh, I did this. I did this. And then it came to me, and they're like, Keith, where, where, did, you, where did you get your credentials? What school did you go to? And I'm like, hey, guys, let me tell you my story. And I told them their story, and I told them, hey, I just got certified. And you should have seen their look on their face. It was just like, oh. <laughs> One person even said, you must not want to go far into ministry because you went that route. These were my peers. Yeah. These were people that said it to me. It rocked my world. I left that camp defeated. I left even the seven years that I did kids' ministry always thinking about that. Hey, was I really called into ministry? Hmm, I must not be good enough. I didn't go to that Bible college. One day, one of my pastor friends of mine asked me, hey, Keith, why haven't you pursued the next level of your credentials? I told him why. He said, I want you to know this. God has called you, and you're putting a lid on what he wants to do in your life. I need you to pray about that. See, he was right he gave me some encouragement and said, look, you're focusing on the lie. Don't listen to that. Focus on what God wants to do in your life. So I went back through the process. I got licensed last year about this time. I got ordained through the symbols of God. And so moved through those steps and, you know, and then that part of it. And I share this story with you, not just because I want you to say, hey, I got my license, I got ordained, but I want to share this story with you because I believe there's some of you here today who've been hurt by somebody. You might even been hurt by somebody in the church. And I want to change that thinking. I want to change that thinking that we're the church that we encourage people. When you walk through this door, you're encouraged by one another. Let's not be the church that has discouragement, but let's be the church that encourages each other. I also want to share that story because I believe somebody's here today and they're not taking that next step in their career. God has called you to do something and you're wrestling with it. You're saying, you know what, I'm a little too old in life or hey, I got all these other responsibilities, I can't do this or I don't know how I would do that. I want to tell you right now, don't put a lid on God. I want to encourage you to step out, move forward. The devil's lies right now are making you stand on the sidelines. You're not moving forward for what God has for you. So move forward. And I also want to remind you this today. The devil is a liar. In fact, that's what Jesus called him in John chapter 8, verse 44. John chapter 8, verse 44, he says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Some of you have been believing the lies of the enemy, and it's caused you to live in defeat. It's caused you to not live in the victory that Jesus purchased on the cross for you. We have to learn to guard our thoughts. 
And I believe God wants you to know that you're, you have been letting the devil live in your, your mind way too long. You've let the devil around too long. It's time to get him away. It's time to step into the victory that God has for you. And it starts with fixing your th- how you think. It starts with guarding your thoughts. Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 5 says this, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. I love this verse because it breaks down clearly how our mind should, how our mind should work. If you're living according to the flesh or the sinful nature, it means your mind has been set on sin or selfish desires. But if you're living according to the Spirit, your mind has been set on what God desires. So what have you set your mind on? What are you focusing on? What are you thinking about? The things of the flesh or the things of the Spirit? What you set your mind on is going to determine how you live your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, Do not conform any longer to the patternless world, but... So if you have your Bibles open or you any way you can highlight, I encourage you to circle it, underline it, but be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform means not to fashion yourself after someone else or someone else's patterns. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't try to be like this world, but be transformed. Be changed. Be radically changed. We have to renew our minds. We have to get a new way of thinking. And this needs to start fresh every day. How do we renew our minds? How do we win the day? I'm so glad you're asking those questions today. And I want to give you a few steps on how we do that. The first step is this. Stop feeding our minds with negative. We got to stop feeding our minds with the negative. In order to win the day, we need to figure out what's causing those negative thoughts what's causing them, and eliminate those things. We got to do a self-examine. We got to look and say, man, this is giving me that negative thought, and I got to get rid of it. I can't have it. The Apostle Paul tells believers what we should be thinking about. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He breaks it down there for us. Paul shows us the way to beat the enemy. He gives us that way. He shows us how we can win the day. And church, I really believe we need to take some time to examine what's causing our negative thinking. And when we find it, eliminate it. I'm going to be honest with you again. Sometimes I think the cause of our negative thoughts that turns our hearts to be bitter, nasty, unpleasant, is social media. I feel like when I scroll through Facebook and I open Facebook and I'm scrolling through it, 90% of Facebook things I see are negative. I don't see too many encouraging things on there. What I see on there is a bunch of Eeyores. Or I see a bunch of pot stirs. And you know what happens? We sit there and we scroll our Facebook. We're looking through it and we see the negative 
And we sit there and we think about, oh my goodness, yes, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> then we go back and we start to read the 100 comments. Oh, I can't believe she said that. Mm. Wait till I say something back. And you're back in there. We start to feed it. We can't. Those negative thoughts, we start to reply with negative thoughts. We don't reply with no encouragement. You know what I love about our phones today is, you know, don't do it now. Don't pull your phone and look at it now. Do this later on today. But I encourage you to take your time, pull your phone out, see if this feature is on there. But it allows you to look at your screen activity. And see, and it looks at every day how many hours or minutes you put into a certain app or you answer your emails or anything like that. And then it also has the feature on and you can see what the week looks like. And so it's really cool. It breaks it down and sees where you're spending your time at. I love that part of it. I mean, I constantly look at that and say, okay, did I cut this down or did I not look at it? But I want you to take some time and look and see if you have more hours on social media than spending time with God. Open that up. Look at it. If it's saying, man, you got eight hours of social media time or whatever other time invested in other stuff and you only had five minutes with God, there's something wrong, church. Well, wonder there's so much negative out there. We got to flip that. On Monday, you might have heard this, but Facebook was down for five to six hours. Uh, some of you didn't even know about it. Some of you don't care, which is cool. But some of you, otherwise, you were the person that was constantly going back like, oh my goodness, it's still saying there's a problem. Five minutes like, oh my goodness, they're still saying we're fixing it. And you're starting to think, well, how's anybody going to know what I had for lunch today? <laughs> what I love about all that stuff, though, when Facebook was down, was all the memes that came out after that. I love memes. I, I like to look at them. They crack me up. And I have four of them today I want to share with you that I, I found that they were good. The first one is this. The world of Instagram and Facebook stay down forever. So look at this. They're saying, man, our world, we can have flying cars. We can look at how advanced we would be. This was great. So I, I really like that one. The second one I found was this one. This is a good one, too. Society right now, Facebook goes down. The world IQ goes up. True? Yeah. Yeah. Next one here, this is Mark who founded Facebook, and he's like, hey, I scared you today, didn't I? Because some of you were scared. You're like, what am I going to do without Facebook? And so there it is. And then the last one is this, the government shut down and no one bats an eye. Facebook goes down and everyone loses their minds. <laughs> Some cool memes there. Love it. But church, I have to be honest with you again still. Right now, though, what I, I, what I feel like is happening and seeing a lot of people are walking around with no hope. They're walking around with no hope. I've even heard people say, man, Pastor, I just don't have any hope. And I see these negative things. I see this. I see this going on. I just have no hope. Look, we've allowed the enemy to come in and start with the, start with the negative thoughts. And those negative thoughts have changed our hearts. Church, we need to stop putting our hope in social media, politics, the news, TV shows, and other worldly things, and start putting our hope in Jesus Christ. Start putting our hope in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of good things still happening out there. 
But we're focusing on all the negative. Put our hope in Jesus Christ. Instead of waiting for Satan, the world, or your own brokenness, feed your mind with good things, positive things, godly things. Think about Christ himself. Be present with God in the moment. And when you do all that, watch how your life is going to change. Watch how your emotions will change. Watch how your behaviors will change. This is how we change our negative thinking. This is how we win the day. Okay, so we stop feeding our minds with the negative. What should we be feeding it with? Number two, God's word. We need to be in God's word. So when those negative thoughts come, or when those sinful thoughts come to, to come and enter our mind, we'll be able to recognize them for what it is and take the, take the right course. Jesus, Jesus shows us this very thing in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was led in the desert for 40 days, 40 nights. He's out there. He's fasted. He's hungry. And he, he watched what the enemy does. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, and, you know, Satan comes to him and says, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So here he is. I know you're hungry, Jesus. Come on. You're the Son of God. Take these stones. Feed yourself. Turn it into bread. Jesus responds in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our enemy doesn't stop. We see this in Scripture. We see it in our own lives. The enemy is going to continue to come after you day after day after day. He's not going to stop. He doesn't get tired. He's going to come after you. And we see it right here in Scripture. He comes back after Jesus, and he takes Jesus to the highest point of the temple and says, if you're the Son of God... Throw yourself down. Just go ahead and jump. You're the son of God. Do it. Jesus responds back. Matthew chapter 4, verse 7. Do not put the Lord your God to test. And again, the enemy comes back. He takes Jesus to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms. He showed him all the world, all the splendor, and says, I'll give you all of this. All you have to do is bow down to me. Jesus replies back in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Quote in scripture, In a time of negative thoughts or temptation, serves the purpose of getting our minds back onto that biblical track. Our enemy doesn't give up. I'm sorry. That's what we need to do. We need to be able to quote that scripture, be able to get back on that track and say, look, I'm going to defeat you, enemy. But we need to know God's word in order to accomplish this. And this is where we have to have the daily habit of being in God's word. And church, I'm not talking about taking out your phone when you wake up in the morning time and reading the verse of the day. That's cool. But that doesn't do anything you got to dive into God's word. you got to read God's word. you got to memorize some scripture. you got to find a place in your house and say, okay, I'm doing this in the morning time, and I have, it's quiet time for me, and I'm in God's word. If it doesn't work in the morning time, it's got to be in the evening time. But do not finish your day without being in God's word. We have to be in God's word. We have to study it. So how do we do it? We've talked about this here at Calvary many times. It's a basic principle, and it's the SOAP principle. SOAP principle, it's scripture, observation, application, and prayer. 
It's a way of getting more out of God's word. And this principle helps, church. Let me tell you, I was looking on, on my shelf in my office. I found this journal that I had, and it, had, it was from 2003, and I was reading the Bible. Well, I read the Bible all the time, but I was reading the Bible at that time, and, uh, and I was doing this soap principle, and, this, and I went, it was cool for me to go back and look at this. But what the soap principle is, is simply is this. You take the S, and it's the scripture that stands out to you. So if you're reading Matthew chapter 4, and you say, okay, man, I've read the whole chapter in Matthew. Man, this scripture stood out to me. So you would write that down. Then the observation, God, why did you write this verse? What does it mean? What does this context mean to me? And so you would write that down in there. And the A, application, God, how can I apply this verse to my life? That is the key point right there to say, okay, God, how can I apply this application to my life? And the last one is prayer. You're going to pray for yourself. You're going to pray for other people. This works. It's easy to do. All we got to do is just take time and carve it out that day and say, okay, I'm sitting down with God and I'm going to get in his word. I'm going to do this. In church, like I said, I've done this. And I've memorized scripture over it. I have scripture that I go back to any time that I feel like the enemy's attacking me. And I quote these back. The first one is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. This one is one of my favorite ones. I hang this in my office and everything else. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Look at this part. Do not be afraid or discouraged. I've been there before. How many of you have been there before? You've been afraid or you've been discouraged? But look what God says here. For your Lord God will be with you wherever you go. I don't need to be discouraged anymore. I don't need to be afraid. Because God is with me. The very first scripture I ever memorized is when I first got saved and I had to get baptized. And at the church we were attending there, you had to come and tell them a, a scripture that means something to you. And, you know, I've never read the Bible before, so I'm trying to read the Bible and say, okay, what comes up to me? But this is a scripture that I go back to all the time that still means something to me. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has the plans for you. Not the enemy. We keep listening to the enemy's plans. God has the plans for you. And again, so many of us allow the enemy to build the walls, walls of lies around us. And if you want to knock the walls down, you have to know God's word. You need to be in his word. This is how we win the day. The third thing is this. How do we win the day? Is prayer. If you want to win the day, you have to have prayer in your life. I'm not talking about coming to God with your wish list. So many of us come to God like with our wish list like it's a Christmas list. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about talking about praying. I'm talking about having a real conversation with God. Through our prayer, you're seeking strength to help you win the day. Through prayer, you're able to give God the negative thoughts you're dealing with. When I pray and I'm having these negative thoughts, I'm giving it to God. I'm saying, God, today I feel like a loser. Today, God, you know, this is going on in my life. God, help me with these negative thoughts. Prayer is the way which we communicate with God. There's tons of verses in the Bible about praying. Today I want to show you a few of them. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. First Chronicles chapter 16, 11. 
Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When we pray, we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. When we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, we're able to listen to God's voice. We're able to hear God speak to us and say, hey, I got you. Hey, this is what you need to do. Hey, I want you to go this way. That's what prayer does. It opens us up to the Holy Spirit. And that's how we win the day, with the Holy Spirit's help. Number four is fellowship with other believers. Look, it's a crazy dark world out there, isn't it? Yeah, only one of you said yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's a crazy dark world out there. And we're not meant to do this Christian walk alone. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love, good deeds, not giving up, meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. As believers, we're instructed to be concerned about our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're supposed to lift each other up. Christ, church, this is what we're supposed to do. Church, we're supposed to be in a small group together. That's how it takes place. We're supposed to lift each other up, encourage each other. Help give strength. Small groups have so many benefits. When I'm in a small group, and I have tons of negative things going on in my life, my small group's able to call me out and say, hey, you know what? You're not thinking all right. Can I help you get you on track? Small group helps you. Here in first service, I had my water bottle up here on the table. It fell down and rolled onto the ground. The guy in the front row gave it back to me. I put it back up here. It was moving, got to the edge, he came and saved the day and gave my water bottle before it fell. He's in my small group right now. <laughs> Why? Because he has my back. That's what a small group does. We have each other's back. And so of us, we just talk ourselves out of it. We say, hey, I don't have time to be part of a small group. I don't have time to fellowship with people. <laughs> you got to make time. Because all the negative in this world, we need to surround ourselves around the positive. If you want to be a part of a small group at Calvary, all you do is head out to our website, tulipcalvary.org. Scroll all the way to the bottom. There's a thing for small groups. Search our small groups. Join a small group. As I sit here, I mean, stand here today, and then you guys are sitting here, I look out there, even the people online, there's a ton of you guys that can lead a small group. And you've talked yourself out of leading a small group because you're like, hmm. What about my, I don't know if I can host it in my house. I don't know what I can do. I encourage you this, you're putting a lid on yourself. Allow yourself to be a leader for a small group. If you want to be a leader today, just stop by the hub. Pastor Jordan's out there. He can talk to you about small groups. He can help you even find a small group. So small groups are important for you to get rid of your negative thoughts. The last one, the fifth one, place our faith in our Savior. The last and most important, the previous four steps have no value unless we place place our faith in Christ Jesus. That's where it absolutely starts at, guys. 
Without this, there can be no victory over sinful thoughts, temptations. Placing our faith in our Savior renews our minds. If you're here today and you've never done that, if you never asked Jesus to come into your heart and wash you clean of your sins, never asked him to be your personal Savior, and here in a few minutes, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. What you see will happen is what takes place in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I believe there are people here today that have been losing the day for some time. I want to see you win the day. This competitive guy wants to see you win the day. Not only do I want to see that, but God does. And I feel like some of us here have been listening to the enemy speak lies to us for a long time. Speaking lies in our thoughts, and those lies have turned our hearts cold, bitter, and hopeless. And what we see is a wall that starts being built around our life. We see this take place. We start to listen to these lies. Hey, I got, I got guilt. I have no talent. God, I have nothing for you. Here's another, a couple other ones. I'm not capable. I'm worthless. The wall starts getting bigger. The lies keep coming. The negative keeps coming. And we don't know how to get rid of it. And we continue to listen to it. And watch how the wall keeps going. He says, I'm flawed. I'm just a bad person. God, I'm so bad, I can't believe you would even sacrifice your life for me. I can't come to church because the walls would cave in. You heard that saying before? We're believing those lies. Then we continue to have the other lies of, look, I, I just have bitterness. And I'm just a failure. And then what happens, the wall is just getting taller and taller around us. We start standing behind this wall and we can't get out. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. And then something else happens. Another negative thought comes. And it says, God can't love me. We start to believe that God can't love me. We start to say, hmm, I'm just worthless, God. You can't love me. Now the wall is so tall that we can't see over it. Now we have this wall in front of us. Now we have the walls on the side of us. It's caving in. The wall of negativity. And some of us believe this that this wall is made out of concrete. It's made out of stone, that it can't be blown down. It can't be knocked down. 
So we're just like, hey, I'm just going to give up because no one can knock this wall down. And Jesus says, look, I will knock walls down for you. I will knock lies down for you. I paid sacrifice for you. When I see this wall, I don't see a wall of concrete. I don't see a wall that can't be knocked down. I see a wall that I can totally just kick down for you. Jesus wants to knock your walls down. And we're not allowing him to knock those walls down for us. We've built them. We're standing here on a a wall of lies, and we're saying, God, I don't know what else to do anymore. And I truly believe this. If we eliminate the negative, if we get in God's word, if we start to pray, we become a part of a small group, and we place our faith in Jesus, Jesus comes and he knocks these walls down. And so today, what I want to do to close is I'm just going to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes today. And the first thing I want to do, if you're here today and you haven't had a chance to put your faith in Jesus, you haven't had a chance to ask Jesus into your heart, I just want you, just with every eye closed, every, you know, no one peeking or anything, just this is between me and you right now and God. Just raise your hand. You just say, hey, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I haven't done that. Yes, there's hands going up. I don't want to miss that. If you're here and you say, man, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I want to ask for forgiveness. Keep that hand up. This. Okay, you can put your hand down. Thank you. Praise God. Today, if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor, I need you to pray for me, Keith. I need you to pray for me because I have walls that are, have built up of lies around me, and I want you to pray today, Keith, to knock these walls down. If that is you today, just raise your hand. You say, I'm tired of the lies. I'm tired of the wall. Yes. So what we're going to do first is I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Even if you prayed this prayer before, just going to ask you to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth you died on a cross for my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins, make my heart new, and let me live my life for you. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for the person today that raised their hand, that said, hey, I have walls that the enemy has built around me, walls of lies. And God, we pray today you knock those walls down. God, let them walk out of here today with a a mind that's renewed for you. And God, let us build a wall that we can stand behind that's with your truth, a wall that the enemy can't penetrate because we stand behind your word. We stand behind you. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church, if you prayed that salvation prayer today for the very first time, 
at the end of our hallway out here and at our information desk right out the doors here, we have this card that says, I've decided. If you're watching online and you've prayed this for the first time, you'll see it in the comment section. I ask you to take some time and fill that out. And then you can get that back here to the church so we can send you something and pray with you. But on the, also on this card is a, is a spot for you for prayer requests. And what I want to do with our staff this week is this. If you're willing to just to take one of these and say, hey, Keith, can you pray for this wall in my life? This lie, this negative that I'm dealing with. And put it in here. Fill the information on the back. Turn it into the hub. This week, our team would love to pray with you. Again, if you're online, you're able to do that as well. But we want to pray with you because we want to renew our minds. We want to get rid of the negative, and we want to have a mind that's strong for Christ. So church, thank you so much for allowing me to be here today with you and preach with you guys. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.